I'd say I always give people two pieces of advice. One is do your due diligence. I talked about that and how there are so many resources out there. Start diving in to make sure it's even something you're interested in or like. So if you have an idea, start doing research to see if something you even think is aligned. Maybe you always thought you wanted to do something and then you learn like, oh, that's going to require me to be working till 11 p.m. and that's not something I want to do or whatever. Like figure that out. So do research, understand your category really, really well, whatever it is. Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth Podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success, challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Sue, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Welcome back, ladies, to another episode of Women Choosing Growth. Today, we have a growth story from our wonderful guest, Mara Smith. She is a former attorney, a corporate strategist, stay-at-home mom, and now the founder of Inspiro Tequila. Originally, she had a dream of being the next Supreme Court justice. But when pregnant with twins, she made a few career pivots, initially staying home with her children to building a brand of clean tequila for women who love a great spirit and a healthy lifestyle. She shares her journey of getting started, how she became a B Corp, her biggest challenges, and the two biggest pieces of advice for women entrepreneurs, which include doing your due diligence, just like an attorney would, being prepared in your business and the decisions that you make, and number two, to always have a community to help you in your growth, a community just like Women Choosing Growth. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show, ladies. Today, we have with us an amazing woman who is not only brilliant, but a go-getter who knows what she wants and went out and built it. Mara Smith is a former attorney from Chicago. She had a love for tequila, but did not find a clean, gluten-free brand that fit her lifestyle. So what does one do? She goes out and creates the business. You will hear her journey in a moment, but imagine knowing really nothing about the industry yet this burning desire to make that dream come true. Today, she is an amazing woman and a woman-led business. The name of her business is Inspiro Tequila, which comes from the Spanish word for inspired. And I know after listening to her story and her journey today, you will also be inspired. Welcome to the show, Mara. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Tina. Well, you're welcome. I'm so excited to have you on today. It is a definitely a different business than we've had here. And I can't wait to share your journey. You've definitely had an interesting path from, you know, starting out your career to being who you are today and in a successful woman-led business in a tequila industry. Nonetheless, I would love for you to share that journey, the crazy story from being a lawyer one day, then you're pregnant, you're on bed rest and you know, fast forward, and now you have this amazing business um, that we all like. A lot of people love tequila, so that's also amazing. 
So can you share a little bit of like how that journey happened for you? Yeah, sure. So yes, a, a pretty uh, major pivot. So I, I really think it was going a very conservative route. So I was like the kid who wanted to be a Supreme Court justice, right? A job that you have for life. So I don't think I ever foresaw this like entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey in my future. I studied accounting in undergrad, went straight to law school, took the job at the big law firm to pay off my law school loans. And I think I was just really myopically focused on this like kind of one very linear path. Um, what happened is when I was at my law firm, I was getting great experience. I worked for a very large law firm in Chicago for many years. And I started, started to contemplate having a family. Um, and at the time I was there, there were no female um, partners in my entire department. So I really had no role models to look to to see how I could possibly manage like, you know, big law firm life and having a family. And the options at the time, as far as like part-time were not fabulous. It really meant you get paid part-time, but you work full-time. You don't get the really big, sexy deals that I love doing. So, and you're off the partnership track. So I made the decision then to switch and go on to the, um, move to the corporate side and um, on the business side and not, not practicing law. So I joined McDonald's Corporation in their corporate strategy group. That actually was the first time I kind of like, I feel like my entrepreneurial spirit was sparked. We were looking at consumer trends and insights and ideating and coming up with concepts. And I started thinking about, oh, I love, you know, what if I start a business and thinking of different ideas? One of my ideas that I thought of was uh, opening a branch of an ice cream franchise. I am in Chicago, not the best locale for ice cream. Like two months um, out of the year. Yes, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I scrapped that idea. And really, but it just started me thinking about things and different concepts and and business ideas. Then life never goes according to plan. I became pregnant with my oldest children who are twins and was put on emergency bed rest. So my corporate career came to a screeching halt very abruptly. Yes. Um, I ended up on bed rest for three and a half months. And then I had preemie twins. And I made the decision to stay home. Um, I'm very fortunate that I had that option and I could make that decision, but it is really nothing I ever contemplated. I don't think anyone who knew me ever saw that coming. I never saw that coming that I would like <laughs> transition and, and be home. And I had another child nine and a half years later. So I actually was out of the workforce for 16 years. And so when you talk about not just entering a new industry, but re-entering the workforce, coming in from, you know, being out for so long. That was, a, a, you know, pretty major and very difficult. Um, yeah. So it's a while to be out. <laughs> yes. And, but, you know, like I had talked about before, I'd always really thought about, okay, I want to start my own company. I've also been told I don't work well with authority. So I thought maybe it's better if I start my own company. I knew it was going to be a consumer product and I knew it was going to be in food and beverage. I'm like a super consumer. I love taste testing everything. Um, I'm the person who watches all the Shark Tank episodes and buys everything. My pantry is full <laughs> of like every drink, snack. It's insane. Um, I love that. So I, I knew it was going to be in food and beverage and I was thinking of different ideas and I just kept coming back to tequila. As you mentioned, I'm a tequila lover. I've been a tequila drinker for years. That kind of became my go-to adult beverage option. Yes, I'm, I've been gluten-free for like 15 years. 
and just generally live like a, I say like a little bit of a healthier lifestyle. So when I was looking for a drink, lower sugar, low carbs, didn't leave me feeling lousy the next day, I started drinking tequila. Well, I discovered two things that kind of led me down the path of like, oh, maybe I'll start my own tequila brand. Because just because, you know, you drink something, why would you start your own company? The two things were one, I thought I was drinking something that was like kind of like a better for you as, as better for you as alcohol can be option. But then I discovered that everything I was drinking contained undisclosed additives. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that the tequila is. I just started researching the category, taste testing different brands and didn't realize that um, the vast majority of tequilas use additives like artificial sweeteners and coloring and things that I would generally avoid in anything I'm eating. And the second thing is that so many women kept telling me they drink, drink tequila and that that's their drink of choice. And I just kept like thinking, well, if all these women drink tequila, why do brands not focus on them as a consumer? I just couldn't understand it. From the bottle design with you know skulls and depictions of agave fields, to marketing using like scantily clad women and dark club scenes, just things That's that didn't hilarious. resonate with me. <laughs> I never realized that until you just said it. And, and as you say that, I'm going through all the bottles of tequila that are typically on the shelves. It's very man-focused. Totally. And so I also started just researching. I dove in and started just doing a lot of research on the category and discovered, you know, women make up about half of tequila drinkers. We know women make over 80% of all purchasing decisions. And so I just thought there's this like really relevant consumer who's just not the primary focus for spirits brands. And so that it's kind of the convergence of both of those things that led me to think, okay, I can really do something very customer centric being that I understand because I am this customer, I didn't really, you know, understand her well and offer a cleaner version of something that maybe she was looking for and likes with like the type of tasting note she likes and a really approachable, easy to drink tequila, but a clean version of one. So that all makes sense. But here you are, you're home, you've got a three kids at home. How does that, how does that transition from, Hey, you know what, maybe I'll do I would like a woman focused to keep like there's there's a whole lot that goes on in between there. So like what were your first steps? How did what made you decide this? Yes, this is what I'm going to do. Was it that clear is what you just said? I think I think timing wise what happened is I all of a sudden realized my oldest were in high school and I started to maybe have like a little bit of a freak out. Oh my gosh. And since they're twins, they're both going to leave me at the same time. And, and I started just kind of freaking out about that. And I still have a younger one at home, but I think all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, if, if not now, when, like, let's do it. Of course I had impeccable timing because I had that idea in January of 2020 and I incorporated in February of 2020 before the entire world shut down. And I did three, and I had three kids schooling from home during COVID. (laughs) So this idea came and then, you know, everything kind of went haywire. But I think I just realized like the timing, it's kind of like, and and also because I'd started thinking about a few months before I'd been talking to a friend about maybe starting a different type of company and consumer product and just started me going and like the ideas just start generating. And I thought it was time that I actually acted on it. And once I Really, I'd say once I did the paperwork and filed for an LLC and it was you know formalized, then I just hit the ground running and just started doing a ton of research. And 
there are a lot of resources out there. I mean, it's not easy. You mentioned I'm joining a new industry. I did not know anything about. It's definitely not easy. There are, it's very highly regulated in alcohol. I've learned a ton of, you know, about compliance and three-tier distribution systems um, in the U.S., but everything's out there, the resource there. So I was like listening to webinars. I listened to a ton of podcasts. I'd like read books, reach out to industry executives. I just tried finding everything I could to learn about the broader spirits industry in general, how it operates, the legalities, who the players are, tequila production. So I studied everything I could about tequila production. I read books. I listened to a lot of podcasts also um, that are like done by tequila aficionados. I took a course offered by the CRT, the governing body in Mexico for tequila, and became certified in the history and production of tequila making. And then I also had to learn this whole world, which was a big black hole for me, of marketing. So I had a accounting, legal, and strategy background. <laughs> marketing was like a whole unknown for me. And again, I, I read, I mean, I still read like a ton of marketing books. I'm constantly reading marketing books. I'm listening to books on how to pitch. I mean, um, I'd be like reading one book and listening to another on audibles um, <laughs> to get to one at the same time. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. And just trying to consume as much information. I, I literally didn't even know how to use Instagram. I found someone online who did like individual one-on-one classes, some classes with me virtually. She's like not even in the United States, just to teach me. I, I didn't even know how to like post a story. I mean, absolutely nothing. So it was all those, you know, kind of steps to learning, but that's actually, that's the most fun for me, right? I, I like to say I'm a learn it all, not a know it all. So I love to learn. I'm just intellectually curious. And this has been a very steep learning curve. And every day I'm learning something new. I think that's where your your initial passion for law, right? Because there's a lot of research and study and reading, <laughs> a lot of reading. So that actually is a good benefit that you have that, that natural desire and liking to read. I would fail miserably at that, <laughs> at the research part. And I like the details. So things like that, like I was used to reading for detail and understanding like the nuances. So I feel like that, yes, there are definitely things, all the different stages. I feel like you learn something different at every stage that helps whenever you're starting a company, including as a stay-at-home parent. So I don't want to discount that period of 16 years, which I used to do and kind of gloss over it. But developed a lot of skills that I otherwise didn't have, especially things like flexibility. I was really used to before that being on my own time frame, super organized. I get this done at this time. And you know, with kids, no day ever goes as planned. Well, that's that's uh, entrepreneurship too. Yes. So <laughs> especially when you have twins. <laughs> yes. There's always, you know, some obstacle you're trying to, you know, problem solve for. So I think a lot of my experience at home also really prepared me for this. I mean, when you talk about twins, like multitasking, when I say I can be reading two different books that, you know, <laughs> that not, not at the exact same moment, but right. same time. You're in the middle of both of them. I was used to yes. juggling and multitasking all the time. <laughs> yes. A child on each hip. <laughs> and reading a book. 
one thing that I, I, I know a lot of people don't know that I would love for you to share on how you got to this, how you decided, um, and what a certified B Corp is. I know that's relatively, I, I think it's relatively new. Actually, I've only heard it for the last few years. So I think that's awesome about what you've built too. Can you share what it is and how you, why and how you got to be certified? So Survey B Corps, I believe now, maybe there's 8,000 of them in like North America, but I could be wrong because they it keeps expanding. But really what it is, is I feel like it formalizes a commitment by a company to its, its profit, but for a greater purpose. And you're going to fall in one of like two lanes, either for like sustainable initiatives or for social impact initiatives. It, but you need to meet, you need to satisfy requirements in both lanes, but you're probably going to be more focused in one or the other. So Patagonia is an example and their sustainability, huge you know, sustainability efforts or people that give 1% um, for the planet, things like that. So all about sustainability and then social impact. We fall under the social impact category. Now, the reason I wanted to do this is because this has been part of our brand DNA from the beginning. And I wanted to like formalize what we were already doing. And it requires also documenting transparency, like actually tracking what we're doing. So, and it is an arduous process. B Corp is a long process. It took me like six months, but I also did that in like double time. Normally it would probably be like a year. I was just all in. Because you have to satisfy like governance and even, you know, your supplier relationships, things like that. So for us, we are distilled, owned and led by women. But I wanted to put in place that it's not just the leadership level, but like when we review suppliers and vendors, now we have a formal process to review how do they work with their employees? Are they diverse? Trying to, when we can, work with diverse suppliers tracking. So from the very beginning, before we even sold a bottle of tequila, we uh, were a sponsor of a pitch competition for female founders. So we are committed to donating a certain percentage of revenue to 501c3s that help support female founders. So either we do it through um, things like supporting pitch competitions or providing grants and mentoring through some organizations. Like we have done that through the Enthuse Foundation. We've done it through iPhone Fund Women. So we're already doing all these things, but I just wanted it like really, you know, kind of put down on paper um, to lend credibility to our efforts, but also require us to track that. So now instead of just doing it, we're, we have to track everything we do. We have to, and it has to be visible and transparent. And I'm a big believer in, in being very authentic. So everything behind the brand is authentic. It's, you know, you see the person behind the band, you see what's behind, you know, and, and I thought that really helped us, you know, do that and, and show really what we stand for and that, and that our actions reflect what we say. So instead of just saying, we want to support, inspire other women, our actions, we collaborate and partner with women-owned brands, if it's for giveaways or, or when we're doing events or, you know, we bring other women to the table. And that's very important to me. And we were going to do that no matter what, but now we, 
you know, became a certified B Corp to really very much be committed to those efforts. Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply to join me as a guest on our Top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show. Sure. Uh, yeah, it gives you structure, right? Of this is, these are the rules we're going to follow, but then also the accountability because you do have to maintain that uh, certification. You have to prove it. And there's a lot of businesses that say they do things that don't. <laughs> so I, I absolutely thank you for sharing that because I know it, it is relatively new. Would you say like 8,000-ish? That's not, that's like a yeah, drop there's in a bucket. Not, yeah, right. Yeah, it, it is relatively new. I'm trying, I don't remember who the first ones are, but I think, you know, more and more companies are seeing the the value in it. And it's nice to be part of that community, right? So now I'm part of community of B Corps and they're all, really very mission-driven companies. Right. One of the core values, right, for your business. So a lot of success today. Um, I encourage people to go to the website and check out. I love the fact that you put cocktail list out there. I picked one out for the holidays, <laughs> shared it with my family. But the journey probably wasn't always easy as you're sharing along here. What is... A I know you mentioned a little bit marketing and maybe that was your biggest hurdle. But what is the biggest lesson that you've learned through these years of, you know, diving into an industry you knew nothing about? Yes, there are so many lessons and there's a hurdle like every single day. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so, entrepreneurism right yes. there. <laughs> I think the biggest lesson, honestly, for me is to trust my instincts. And it's really hard to do when you come in as an outsider and you have all these experts and people have been in for a really long time. You should do it this way. You should do it that way. And giving advice, coming back into the workforce. Um, after being a stay-at-home mom for many years, I I felt like, am I really going to, you know, earn the kind of respect I want? I better, you know, that like, let me get other people's ideas. What do I know what I'm, you know, how do I know what I'm doing? And so it has taken me a little bit of time 
say, okay, I can, I can take in a lot of information, but I also need to like sift through it and see what makes sense. And the reason I started this is to do things differently and innovate. And so if I only do things and take advice from people who have been, and many people have been in the spirits industry for their entire lifetimes, like it's one of those industries where coming in as an outsider, it's very difficult to kind of like um, gain credibility. Many are multi-generation. Yes. I went in to look at things with a fresh set of eyes and do things a little bit differently than what has been done. And I always have to keep that perspective and trust like, and make sure it is aligned with what I set out to do and our why and why I decided to go back into the workforce after being out for many years. So it has to be aligned. And I think that's sometimes really, it's really hard, especially when I feel like, well, maybe someone else knows better or they have a lot more experience. And it's like, like to say, I'm like a more seasoned entrepreneur. So maybe it's a little bit easier for me to do that and have more confidence in, you know, my, my own judgment than if I had started this out of my like college dorm room, but it's still something hard. It's still something hard to do. It's kind of like, okay, take a minute, reflect. That's a great idea, but we have to do it this way because this, you know, is a better fit for us. And this is more for what we stand for. I can, that is difficult, right? Because there's things that are tried and true have been around for hundreds of years and they do it this way. It's kind of like when people say, well, we do this in our organization because, well, that's the way we've always done it. But you're saying one of the biggest challenges that you're working on is to say, okay, that's fine, but let's look at it and see if it's part of our mission and our goals for our company. And like what we stand for and our values. And is it looking at it with like just, maybe that's always how it's been done, but we're going to try and figure out like a way that maybe is a new way to do it that, you know, we're, we're, we try and be scrappy, for example. So maybe there's a way to do it and figure out a good example is something like, so traditionally many spirits brands, they do a lot of um, events and it'll be like festivals or music festivals or, you know, art festivals with lots of spirits brands there, things like that. That's a very big expense and undertaking for a small brand. And my activation is never going to compare to the huge celebrity brand <laughs> that is next to me. So instead, I thought, well, our consumer and, and my people are professional women. So I go to professional women's organizations where we can share the story, then they relate to the story, and then they get to try a cocktail, try the tequila. And one, it usually creates more fans of the brand, um, connections for me and people that, you know, are, are part of my community. But we're also the only, we'll be the only drink there. So I'm not competing against all these other big players for airtime. So that's like a good example. I just kind of went a totally different route. And maybe it's more grassroots. It may take more time because you can only do, you know, smaller groups one at a time, but I still feel like that's a better way that's more authentic to our brand. And I think that's a better way for us to, to build brand awareness. Well, and you, you said it at the beginning, right? It's a different, it's you're, you're selling to a different demographic. 
So not that women aren't at the state fair, but you know, you're, you're getting more of that intimate conversation, relationship building. They're going to tell their girlfriends after they tried it versus remembering that we had this cocktail at a booth at a, you know, big, big, huge event like that. So I, I think it makes perfect sense. It's about connection, right? I want to be connected to the people, to consumers. I want to see them. I want to know what they think. What do they drink? How do they like it? And I feel like that's the occasion that we want to bring women together for as well, like to connect with each other. If it's through their professional women's group or it's because you're having friends and hosting them at your home. I mean, I think that's how women discover products. But I think that also is kind of something that I appreciate. And, I, you know, that's when I am enjoying myself with my friends or family in those like moments. And that's when I want to treat them to something special. And those are also the people that I want to kind of have in like my ecosystem. <laughs> so I, I reach out and go to people that I want to be, you know, part of my world. I agree hundred percent. So when we're the, the listeners who are talking different industries might be service, might be a product like yours through your experience and all of this. I mean, there's just so much different about what you've built. Um, and congratulations again to the success. And I'm going to ask you what your future looks like here too, but for people of other industries that are listening, what is your advice for, um, how do you go about making sure that you're making the right choices and picking the right things like you just mentioned from what others are doing in their industry? I'd say I always give people two pieces of advice. One is do your due diligence, right? I talked about that and how there are so many resources out there. Start diving in to make sure it's even something you're interested in or like. So if you have an idea, start doing research to see if something you even think it's aligned. Maybe you always thought you wanted to do something and then you learn like, oh, that's going to require me to be, you know, working till 11 p.m. and that's not something I want to do or whatever. Like figure that out. So do research, understand your category really, really well, whatever it is. I like to go in over-prepared to everything. I went into your podcast. I listened to probably the last, I don't even know how many, 20 podcast episodes before coming in. <laughs> that is prepared. So yes, <laughs> go in prepared. So do your research, prepare. And I think then you can figure out one, if it's right fit and also what the steps are that you need to take in the order you need to take them. The second part is you have to have a community. Entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey. And I strongly believe in having a community. I love that you're building a community because I go to other founders most often. That is where I seek advice. Not from experts, not from consultants, but from other founders. Hey, I, I reach out to people. I love your website. Who did your website for you? Or um, I noticed your newest email. Who's doing email newsletters for you? Or like people just... Or I think of someone who I can connect with someone else. Oh, I remember that she, you know as a bakery and they're looking for cookies for this event, I should connect them. So relying on other founders and having a supportive community, I think is key because that can also help direct you. And if not, you could spend so much time like kind of flailing about trying to figure out, you know, where should I go for this? Someone's done it. Someone's done whatever you're looking for or found a good resource. You know, someone's done it ahead of you. And 
that would be my key is like going out and asking questions. Again, though, I go out really thoughtfully in research. So if I'm going to reach out to someone on LinkedIn, I'll say, I know you did this, this, or I heard you on this, you know, podcast episode. And I thought this was great advice about that. Where could I find that person to talk to them or whatever? So that's what I would say. But you, it, it is, if you don't rely on other people and try and go out and there's always something you can give back to. Sometimes you think, oh, I talked to someone, they're way more established than me. What am I going to possibly offer? And there's always something. There's always an introduction. There's always something. There's always a tip that you know I can give back or provide or I'll refer them. Oh, this is a great person for this and refer them out. So, which is obviously the, the key way that women you know, sometimes you think that you have to like have these like grandiose gestures of being able to support other founders through like, you know, monetary support, but it's those little things that actually will help us elevate each other. It's making, it's taking that phone call, answering that DM, referring another woman-owned brand, making connection, buying woman-owned, gifting woman-owned, like it's all those little things. And I find people are really willing to help. I, I agree. And it, you, you just had me flash back to the beginning days of my entrepreneur journey. And I sucked at asking for help. I had a few... I did another mentor in the same industry, maybe talk to her twice a year because I thought I was supposed to know it all, right? I was pretending to be this owner of this business that I had no clue how to do either. Um, <laughs> and so I totally relate to what you're saying. I wish I knew that earlier in my career would have hit the success mark maybe faster. But um, yeah, don't be afraid to ask for anything from your peers. And like you said, you, there's I'm sure there's something you can give in return. Although sometimes you don't have to give either. Right. Okay, but if you come later, you could think of something and think, oh, I remember that person from whatever. And so, yes. And I would say I'm, I'm a huge LinkedIn fan. So use LinkedIn. Yes. And actually, like you said, though, look at the person's profile before you send them the spam. <laughs> we get enough of that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Now I want to hear, and well, what I also heard before I jump to the next question is, um, I love how much you plan because as a business advisor, you know, being prepared and having a plan, great advice. So I want to hear only because we haven't talked about it. What does your life and your business look like 10 years from now? Yes. So I think there are a couple of pieces to that. One, because I'm in this like really regulated industry where we have to open on a state-by-state -state basis, I'm hoping that in that time period, we'll be in a significant amount of states. Now, it doesn't have to, we don't have to be in every state. It's very hard to kind of like support that and support that growth because you have to build kind of each market at a time. But I would hope by then we'd be in like 25 states in the future, 25. 30 states, key markets that we have. I have a team right now. We're really, really lean. And I look forward to building out a team to kind of support the infrastructure and our ability to scale because I'm, you know, I have an, one other full-time, amazing, amazing national sales and marketing director, but then like we're two bodies and my one body can't be in like every place at the same time. So looking at having a great 
but building out a really great team. I, I value it so much. And I'm so concerned about like every single person that you bring in. So having a great team behind us, scaling to many states, and then just brand awareness, having the women who drink tequila know Inspiral Tequila and that being their go-to, that to me would be, you know, I, I still get amazed. I'll walk in and someone like, I don't know at all. They're like, oh, I know Inspiro. I've had Inspiro. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, and you're not related <laughs> to me. So that's like, so exciting. <laughs> Hopefully you um, still have that feeling in 10 years and just that same sheer excitement. I think I will. And I honestly don't think it ever gets old to see something you created like on the, on a shelf. I, it, it, it lights me up inside every, every time. And I don't see how that would ever go away. I agree. I saw this podcast listed on someone relatively famous list of women podcast. And I was like, my name's on there. <laughs> so yes, got, got all excited for that too. I hear you. Well, I wanted you to say that to the universe because, you know, when you have a plan and put things out there out loud and for hundreds and how many ever people will listen to this episode, now they all know to be looking for you. And you would think being Wisconsin, being in the Midwest, you would think that Wisconsin would make it easier to get spirits in here. But I know you're working on that. <laughs> well, we um, we deliver online. So online, we ship to 45 states from our website. So Wisconsin's included in that. But yes, and we're all over Illinois, which is very close by. But we are looking at Really, you know, we have to look at a combination of like tap tequila markets and tap places where we think our consumer also is a significant purchaser of tequila. So, and where we can find really good distributor partners. So we have a lot of things that kind of have to, you know, help us guide us as far as our expansion. I will patiently wait. And we do plan to have a, um, an in-person kind of a getaway for all of our listeners in 2025. So we will have you come and bring your spirits. That is perfect. That's an easy one. That's an easy one. <laughs> You're driving we'll somewhere other That's than the Midwest easy. too. So oh, it'll be a beautiful be Midwest. Oh. <laughs> no, but we will go somewhere to have a nice retreat and yes. And have you bring your spirits with you. Thank you. Tequila for everyone. Tequila for everyone. That's the opening ceremonies. <laughs> um, I appreciate everything you shared today about your journey, but that also for women who are in completely different industries can learn from what you've been going through and through this growing, the growing, I'm not going to say pains, growing experience. How's that? Um, <laughs> so definitely appreciate it. You said you're online. Can you share where, where people can find Inspiro and learn more about you and LinkedIn as well? Yes. So uh, you can find us online at www.inspirotequila.com, I-N-S-P-I-R-O, tequila.com. Follow us on social media and at Inspiro Tequila and connect with me, Mara Smith on LinkedIn and much better LinkedIn and social media, but connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you reach out, I will answer because I answer all my LinkedIn messages. That's right. Well, and we'll have them all in the show notes too. So they can just click the links as well. But I think that's important to follow your journey. Again, I appreciate so much having you with us today. And I look forward to catching up with you soon and see how far you've expanded. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Talk soon. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events, visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.